Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is physically wrong with Markel Fultz? Why do they fire Fred Hoiberg? Who's been the hottest defensive team for the past month? The only question left is, say with me, you in? Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am pleased to bring on best friend of the breakdown, Jared Weiss, who is an NBA writer for The Athletic, and uh, is going to be around here quite often going in the future. So, Jared, uh, thank you for coming on and being my podcast buddy. I'm excited to be here every week. We're going to have some fun. Yeah, we are. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if we're going to have what exact day we're going to have it because it sounds like you're busy and I'm just sitting here in a in my in my you know b-ball breakdown studio all day editing. So whenever you're available, I'm ready for you. I think Tuesday night seems to be a good uh, routine for us, so we can stick with that for now. Okay, I'm I'm happy to be here on every Tuesday night and dropping in on Wednesday. So let's get into it because. There's a lot to talk about. You had a really interesting and huge story uh, not that long ago about about Markel Fultz. And there's even more stuff happening today that people might not have been catching up with or got all the details. So let's break this down as much as we can. What is the story right now with him and what's going on with the Philadelphia 76ers? Well, uh, things are not good right now, as you might have noticed. So he's got, he's got a nerve issue. He has a nerve issue that is running... You know, it's connected to that original injury of the scapular imbalance in his shoulder. And so what he has now is it's not like some sort of it's called TOS, thoracic outlet syndrome. It's not something that is like some sort of like permanent damage or necessarily something that needs surgery. But it's something that kind of just makes his whole kinetic chain screwed up in his upper body. So. He has trouble. This is something that we described in our original report on The Athletic a couple of weeks ago when we kind of broke the whole kind of like opened the lid on what's really been going on here where he has a shoulder injury, a wrist injury. It's it, This is what it is. It's this nerve issue that they finally have put out a public uh, publicly have released a diagnosis of. And by they, I am very specifically meaning his agent who is also now making sure that he is being reported as uh, Fultz's attorney, Raymond Brothers. And so the team has been giving Raymond Brothers permission to you know, get second opinions for Markel throughout Markel's tenure while Markel's been dealing with all this stuff. That's something that they've had a mutual understanding of. And Raymond has gotten this diagnosis now where he last, was it, I guess, two weeks ago now. It feels like it just happened yesterday, but it's been about two weeks now. He got um, – he basically told the team unilaterally that he was pulling Markel from the team and was going to have him see a bunch of specialists to try to get this diagnosis is basically what the goal was. So, and so – Well, the, the nerve ahead. damage here that's – you know, we're talking about like the area sort of in between the neck and the shoulder or the armpit. Um, but that is connected to the wrist, right? This is all one thing that we're talking about, not two separate injuries. 
Yeah, this is something that where the he has issue in the wrist, and it's resulted in, and this is kind of, you know, this is what what was uh, being somewhat addressed in the report that we put out was that it was causing a lot of numbness, occasional numbness and tingling, and you know other nerve uh, damage symptoms in his hands and in his fingertips. So over the summer, he went and worked with trainer Drew Hanlon. Uh, to basically completely rebuild the shot from the ground up where they started with teaching him how to just grip the ball again. And they wanted him to just completely restart his shot from the very beginning. And that was one of the struggle points they were having is that he wasn't able to consistently grip the ball satisfactorily because he was having some issues with sensation in his fingers. And so he had this issue in his thumb where sometimes he just like couldn't really get that thumb to latch with power because he wasn't really feeling it. And, you know, the question basically that they've been looking into this whole time is how much of that is really, you know, psychosomatic might not be the right word, but like how much of it is that he has perception of it not working mentally when it really is working physically. And it's just either a lack of sensation or just a worry about a lack of sensation. And it's just kind of nervousness or stress or anxiety that his body isn't working as intended. And this diagnosis, you know, creates that clear public physical link to what has been happening clearly mentally as well. So it's a, it is a blend of everything and it does connect, you know, fingertip all the way to shoulder. And if you want to read some of the best analysis of the NBA, including Jared Weiss's fantastic coverage, you must check out the athletic today for less than three bucks a month. You get just about every great NBA writer offering up their content with no ads, no autoplay videos and no pop-ups. They've also got you covered on every other major sport as well. You get access to more than 650 news stories published every week. And guess what? You can watch my videos there as well. Once a week, you can get inside Coach Nick's brain with my exclusive weekly series focusing on stats and X's and O's. So use my link, theathletic.com slash Coach Nick, and get 40% off the subscription price. Their app is awesome. I read some of the best writers there daily, like Sam Amick, David Aldridge, and Tim Kawakami. And then there's little old me on the video side. So head over to theathletic.com slash Coach Nick, get a huge discount on their subscription, and enjoy The Athletic. Okay, well, you know, that's good to hear. It sounds like the solution is going to be some sort of, you know, physical therapy, like people who go and work with, you know, uh, I, I, I always want to say like, you know, veterans who are injured and have to like learn how to walk again. It sounds like they have to kind of reprogram him to use his hand and his arm. Yeah, and like obviously there's a there's the issue of that he has he, he has a nerve issue. He's going to get physical therapy, and they think he can be treated by physical therapy, and hopefully that's the case. Um, but, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of guys that have nerve issues, like in baseball, they end up having to get Tommy John surgery, which uh, we don't have any reason to believe that that's what's in the cards right now for him. But, you know, it just shows that even though it's a nerve issue, a lot of the time they can be treated with physical therapy. You know, maybe in the future they determine that something more needs to happen, but that's that's not even like speculation. That's more so just like kind of painting the picture of what's going on. Sure. So I suppose it's going to leave the Sixers a little bit shorthanded because he was playing and he was contributing. What are they going to do now? <laughs> well, they got te- they got the goat TJ McConnell. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they're fine. All right. they, yeah. They, who needs Michael Jordan? You got TJ McConnell. I mean, you know, they, they love TJ. And the thing is, like, Markel 
when he was playing, even after he stopped shooting the ball early in the season, like he could still do a lot of stuff that was useful out there. You know, he's a he's a playmaker on both ends. You know, he, he can he can get into the paint and really make stuff happen. He's a really good athlete. He can, you know, block shots from behind, steal the ball, make a lot of good defensive plays. But like he's just He's one of those guys that kind of plays with a high center of gravity. Is kind of kind of like uh, languid, and he's he's not like physically engaged, and that really shows up defensively. Where guys can kind of have their way with him, and they can get around him. While TJ, even though he's much smaller, he's a he's a warrior out there. He plays like this is his last chance to survive in the NBA every single time he's out there, even though his skill set's pretty limited. And I mean, I covered I covered that in the second round of the playoffs last year. And TJ had, I think it was game four when their season was on the line. He had one of the best games of his career. He's that guy that really shows up. And um, I th- did Jimmy Butler call him an MF or something like that uh, the other day? I mean, like all these guys love him, especially Jimmy loves him. He is the Jimmy Butler kind of guy. So I'm sure Jimmy's going to love playing with him as much as possible. So I don't think they have an issue really for their rotation with Markel out. That th- and I think it's why they've been pretty much – They've pretty much clearly been like, you know what, Markel, you go do your thing. Don't worry about it. We're all good over here. And Markel, I mean, we reported on The Athletic that Markel would prefer a change of scenery. He had been telling people around him uh, around him that he wanted out or just wanted a fresh start, which is the same thing, obviously. And we were hearing that from multiple people that said that they had talked to him and that that's what he was saying. And the team at this point certainly agrees with that. So they're going to try to get him right, try to get his trade value up. And then bring him somewhere where he has a chance to actually, like, you know, have a good start to his career, build himself up, not really worry about not being a shooter, while they're going to focus on building a title contender for this year and next year. Wow. Well, just uh, to throw out there for TJ McConnell, because his, his name popped up a couple of times in some research I was doing this past week, he is in the 95th percentile in mid-range frequency uh, percent of the shots, which, you know, it's not supposed to be good, but he does take, you know, almost more than anybody else in his position. But guess what? He's in the 100th percentile in accuracy. So he is nailing those shots better than anybody else in the league from mid-range. So uh, I think he's really good. In fact, he's good enough to merit a shirt that says TJ McConnell is good. And I think I'm going to produce those. So stay tuned for those. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm going to go around the whole league. And everybody, on, you know, I'm going to pick that one guy in every team who, like the TJ, who is going to, you know, uh, I, you know, I have a list. I'll, I'll come out with it. But uh, nonetheless, um, he is very good. And I think he'll help them more and probably take away a lot of the distraction. So you think that Mark, Mark, Markel Fultz has played his last game in a Sixers uniform? Probably. Well, probably not because he's he is expected to be out for six weeks, which I'm not really sure how much that honestly. Yeah, I'll take that with a grain of salt, really, at this point. Um, but so let's say he comes back in six weeks. That means it's right around that January 15th uh, date where everybody that was signed this offseason is now available to be traded, as in Trevor Ariza. I can't remember if Ariza's December or January 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, at that point, trade season starts to open up. You've got about two or three weeks until the trade deadline at that point. And I would assume they would want to play him then so that he can get out there show that he's ready to go so that teams that want to acquire him, not for the complete long-term build, but want to see him play now, are going to be confident that he can get out there. I mean, but what do you think? Um, I, I mean, six weeks is a long time. The, a, a team can change completely in that time in terms of rotations and what they do. And if they start to groove it, 
and they're playing well without him. You know, it's, it's yeah, I could easily see them saying, you know what, it's just not. Either they could shut him down, right, in theory, and just say, you know what, we're, we're just gonna, you know, we want to push it right now. They, we've done that before, right, yeah, with uh, Embiid and those kind of guys. So yeah. um, they they could easily do that, especially if they're doing well. But I, I get that the the, uh, the the other motivation would be to try and showcase him, but. Um, yeah, six weeks from now gets pretty damn close. I'm sorry to the uh, trade deadline. Did I, is that right? Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, that gives them what? Like, I think it gives them like three weeks until the trade deadline, which is crazy yeah. to think because we're only in December. It's the beginning yeah. of December, but they, um, yeah, I, I figured they could probably do one rotation with him in there. So you know, one that they would give to TJ or to Cork Maz, they could give to him. So he's getting like six to eight minutes a game. That's enough for him to at least. Get out there. I mean, he doesn't need to be playing 20 minutes a game and be a key contributor. They just need to they just need him to go out there and show that everything works still. Right. And then they also have Shamit playing a lot of minutes, too, and he's doing nicely and he's shooting he's good. Well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, well, That's if, a great pick. And if I, yeah, if, if I remembered a, a kid's name from the tournament from college, then, then he must be pretty good because <laughs> I don't watch college that much at all. And I remember him playing uh, and, and being really tough uh, as well. So, yeah, so they, they're probably in a, in a lot of ways feel like those two guys can cover it. And again, th- th- you know, don't, you can't underrate like distractions like that, uh, especially when you have an agent or a man or a lawyer, whatever he is, who's also like sort of, I don't know if he's overstepping his bounds, whatever he's doing. So it's a little bit of a challenge there for everybody. And uh, yeah, I don't. No, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know if they if they if they didn't trade him and they shut him down and then you know hope to figure something out over the summer. And there's probably teams that would take him for sure. Oh, I I would definitely take him if I'm you know Orlando, Phoenix, any of these teams that are looking for a long-term point guard solution, especially like Orlando, who they, they've been starting DJ Augustine, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like DJ Augustine, who to his credit has been a serviceable backup point guard his entire career and has made a very long career out of it. Like he has, there's no future to that. And trying to get whatever prospect that you can that has some merit long term at the point guard position is a no brainer for a team like Orlando if they don't need to give up anything of substantial value. Um, and I mean, the thing with Orlando is like, are they going to trade Nick Vucevic, who his value is somehow, you know, deep into his deep into like the prime of his career is all of a sudden kind of rocketed when it seemed like he was a player that was falling out of. Uh, vogue with the style of play of the league. And like all of a sudden he's become super potent. So like, I think it was Michael Pina at Vice Sports wrote a really good piece earlier this week about how he's a legitimate MVP candidate, which I mean, he's an MVP candidate in that there's like 20 guys you could say are an MVP candidate. But yeah, it's it's true. He's having a great year. Yeah. So I don't know who Orlando's going to move that would make sense for Philly unless at this point Fultz is worth. It's just like a, if you can get a, a protected first round pick that turns into two seconds, which is the old old Philly special, then maybe that's what you go for and you don't really care about any other talent return. StockX is a revolutionary new marketplace for buying or selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. And here's the cool part about it. StockX uses the same principles as the stock market to make your purchases by giving you real-time market data for intelligent buying and selling. You'll see exactly how much an item has sold in the past and what it's selling for now. Best of all, StockX has removed the risk from buying and selling online. Total anonymity between buyer and seller. You'll never have to deal directly with a random buyer or seller again. 
StockX has experts that verify every item, making sure everything you get is 100% authentic. Visit StockX.com slash CoachNick now and you'll see what an incredible platform this is. That's StockX.com slash CoachNick. Now you know. Well, let's move on to our next subject because uh, this is another big kind of, I don't know if it's a bombshell, but uh, I did a big video on this about Fred Hoiberg getting fired in Chicago. And what was notable about this was that he was on the hot seat almost from the moment he took the job, it seemed. <laughs> uh, I went through in the video. All false coaches are, though. <laughs> right. But this was interesting because uh, I, I was I just hit screenshots from across the, the four years he was there. And, uh, you know, it was kind of crazy to, to think, like, how often the fire Hoiberg was being chanted. Or, you know, the other thing was, is who was going to get fired first, Garpax or Fred Hoiberg? And uh, it seems like something's going on in the front office. Uh, maybe, you know, they have some sort of nude pictures of Reinsdorf or something. I don't know what's happening there, but uh, they're safe. And they had to replace him uh, with Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan. Um, so what are your thoughts about that and what the Bulls are trying to do? I, I think it was the right move. And, you know, it wasn't overdue. I wanted to say it was. But, you know, the, he find I think there's been this like this narrative that, they haven't given him the roster that he they were supposed to give him because the whole point was they were going to give him a running gun roster and he was going to you know reinvent their offense around it. I, I feel like this year's team, for the most part, at least when healthy, constitutes most of what they what they were going for there. Um, you know they I, you know the one big mistake that they made was that they had to choose between Nick Vucev, uh, I'm sorry Nick Miritich and Bobby Portis and they chose the wrong guy even though Portis has been doing pretty well for them Miritich has been unbelievable in New Orleans he's turned into one of the best shooters in the league he's basically turned into what Ryan Anderson was a few years ago when he signed in Houston and Miritich is very clearly the exact kind of player that they wanted rather than Bobby Portis so I don't know how they ended up making that choice after those two had their their huge fight but you know, this team has just been really unhealthy, and when they are healthy, they've kind of just walked all over Hoiberg. I, I, you know, th- I think the reason why Hoiberg didn't succeed there, there's a couple reasons. There's Rajan Rondo's finger, which is that two years ago in the first round of the, pl- of the playoffs, they were up 2 nothing on the Celtics after um, – mm-hmm. and then they went back to Chicago, and Rondo – I try to remember right. He broke his finger, was out for the series – Rondo was probably the best player in the series up until that point. And the Celtics went on to basically wipe the floor with them for the rest of the series. And they went on to make a really good conference finals run. I think, I still think they would have won that series if Rondo didn't get hurt. And then obviously Hoiberg's entire administrator, his entire tenure is looked at completely differently once he went to playoff series. Like that's a, it's a pretty big achievement for a coach, especially like a relatively young coach to have a playoff series win that gives you a ton of cachet. So if they if Rondo stayed healthy and they won that, I think this whole you know basically a general lack of respect for Fred Hoiberg, where no one's really respected Hoiberg from the at least from the public, like he's kind of been looked at as a pushover, and it's mostly because his demeanor is like pretty quiet and reserved. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't like he doesn't really inspire. He doesn't have a lot of charisma to him. He's pretty right. robotic. He's really smart, and he has. He, I thought he designed a good offense in Chicago. Never really had the tools to really pull it off. And of course, like when he got there, they put the, the you know they brought in Rondo and Wade, who are like two, the two worst guys to possibly bring in there next to Jimmy Butler for Hoiberg. So they kind of screwed him over there in that regard. But 
you know, while Gar Pax certainly deserves a lot of the blame for the whole situation not working out, Hoiberg still had enough that he could work with and just never he never really controlled that locker room. Right. And, you know, we've seen other coaches, you know, like Brad Stevens, have that same kind of energy and get a lot out of his players. But we saw, you know, Jimmy Butler can be a coach killer if you're not careful with him and get him on your side. And clearly, uh, he was never able to tap into that. And I talk about this on Twitter a lot about, you know, Butler has had an interesting background growing up. And he's had a really tough coach in college, guys who got on him. And he, you know, learned through that that, like, that's the way you're supposed to be able to get players motivated. And it's not the only way, but I can understand if that's what you all you've known, that's what you desire or need or, or think that's the only way. So it's frustrating on that end. And I'm sure that Hoiberg felt the same way because... I'm sure he, you know, if it was a tougher coach, quote unquote, who was getting in their face, like, you know, a Thibodeau, you know, the information is probably the same, what he's doing, what he's running, how he wants to do it. And the, the outcome should be the same absence, this bellowing and yelling in, in your face. So uh, I was it, it was interesting to me that they got rid of Butler and got rid of that that whole wedge and it still didn't work. But we can't hide the fact that this year, at the very least. A, it, it kind of felt like they were in, they were incentivized to tank anyway, and B, they didn't have any like the point guards. They're they're down to Archie Archie Diacono. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Archie Diacono well, or Archie Diacono? Uh, Archie Diacono. Archie they were Diacono. Choosing, you know, they were okay. choosing him over Campaign, who somehow is still with the team. Yeah, I mean, Campaign is. I'm sorry, he stinks, and I can't stand watching him. So it's like that is a real killer because Chris Dunn, by the way, you know, Hoiberg needs credit for resurrecting Chris Dunn's career. He looked like he wasn't he an NBA player in Minnesota, and he comes to Chicago and he's making plays. He looks solid. He's improving. Like this, that would have been a great place to build. Speaking of which, you're talking about point guards like a Markel Fultz. Chris Dunn is the guy who <laughs> who you'd want too, I think, as a young guy to come in. So. So, uh, so that that that's like a really tough decision. Now that said, I almost feel like Hoiberg is relieved. He's probably almost maybe happy to kind of just sort of be out of that that whole limelight situation and, and maybe you know start over somewhere else. I, I've, you know, coaches are going to be paid so much now that when they get fired, as long as they're not in a situation where they think they're losing out of the chance to compete for the title, I think they're all pretty happy. Like I know for a fact that Ty Lue was very relieved when he got fired. Yeah. Like he, he was he was kind of welp- welcoming that. And that's why Larry Drew was so careful not to take the uh, take the job. And that Cle- you know Cleveland and Chicago have very similar issues with their front offices where they have an owner who you know lately has been you know making some questionable choices. I, Dan Gilbert seems to be way way beyond what where the Reinsdorfs are, but they have a GM who Seems to be kind of a you know kind of be, you know he's controlled by the owner. The owner is forcing him to make a lot of moves, and they, you know, a hint that I have received from a couple people around Chicago over the last couple of years has kind of changed the way I criticize their front office. Has been, you know, when I bring up something about Garpax, they'll say, "Well, you never know how much the owner is the one really calling the shots," and mm-hmm. it made me a little reticent to just you know slam Garpax the way everybody else does. And I, I know that most people, at least the reporters around the team, they'll vent about guard packs all the time, mostly because there's a, there's a lot of bullshit that comes out of them. And it's probably because they're mostly trying to cover up for their failures because they've, you know, ever since Rose got hurt, they've been, you know, failing pretty miserably, miserably to keep that team competitive, right. uh, which, you know, I don't blame them. They gave a massive contract to a superstar whose career fell apart. It's almost impossible to recover from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, you know, it's, 
it's a very unclear situation how much Garpax is really responsible for, you know, like bringing in Rondo and Wade when it was the exact antithesis of what those two guys promised to Hoiberg and to the public and, you know, moves of that nature. To their credit, they did a really good job of the Butler trade. Like they, really they you know, when, when the trade happened, I was one of many people that made the mistake of saying that was a bad trade right, you know, right away. Turned out to be a great trade and kind of, you know, has, has become one of the high watermarks for superstar trades in the last few years or so. Yeah, and but they also nailed two draft picks in a row, the trade being one of the picks and then the other pick uh, for Wendell Carter Jr., who is, I think, a stud and is going to be awesome. And speaking of that position, it's funny because we talk about Wade and we talk about Rondo. They bring those guys in and not fitting the th- uh, his offense. But I have to tell you, I think that the, the, down, the, the, the day that, that it all went south was when they brought in Robin Lopez. Um, that I think was the complete antithesis of everything he would have wanted to get from that position. And, uh, I think that whole, and he played a ton. It was like, that was really what hurt the offense more than anything. And, you know, this is another good example. And this was something that Memphis kind of did also last year. That was really frustrating was, and they did it with Tyreek Evans, although Evans was a free agent left, was that they benched Robin Lopez last year and they pretty much made it clear they were going to get rid of him. And then they didn't get rid of him, and now they're playing him again. Mm-hmm. And a credit to Robin, who's a good player who's been wasting the prime of what's left of the prime of his career in a bad situation. You know, he's a useful guy that you know makes sense. Hopefully, he gets spot out and goes signs with the title contending team this year. I feel like he makes sense for like the actually the Lakers don't need him anymore. Maybe Golden State's going to sign him now that Dwayne is down for the year. So, um, you know, free Robin Lopez. But like <laughs> they. I hate it when these teams basically like tell a player we're not going to trade you, even though we definitely should be trading you. And then not only do they not follow, or, you know, they don't follow through, or they say we're going to trade you, and then they don't actually follow through. Like once you do that, you got to dump that guy for nothing. Like you, you have to do, you have to do right by him. And I was really disappointed in Chicago that they didn't do right by him. But I, I don't know what his perspective is. Maybe that is what he wanted. So who knows? Well, one thing Robin Lopez doesn't have to worry about at the moment is hair loss. But that might not be the case for everyone. You can look and feel your best right now by using Hims, a new wellness brand for men. The equivalent of long two-point shots is letting your hair thin out and go bald. So get proactive and avoid the hair loss that 66% of men start to suffer by age 35. The solution? Visit 4hims.com where you can take care of hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness. My hair looks thick, the skin under my eyes smooth, and the permanent smile on my wife's face are all thanks to Hims. They connect you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions so you can avoid the waiting room and awkward exams in your underwear. Order now, and you'll get a trial month of Hims for just $5 while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So go to 4hims.com slash Coach Nick. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Coach Nick. And in case your ears needed help too, it's forhims.com slash coach Nick.
And it's funny because a lot, I think a lot of times front offices get paralyzed uh, for fear of doing anything because, you know, the alternative of actually making that move could backfire and that's bad. So they don't end up, you know, inertia going on there in a lot of different places. So it's a real interesting thing where you got guys like Vlade who don't always, you know, just making deals, doesn't even know how they're going to play. And they got other guys who, like, who never do anything. Like I think Ainge is kind of a decent example of that too, although it's worked out great where, you know, for the longest time they weren't, they just seemed paralyzed as well with too many options options and didn't want to do any of them. So um, it's interesting to see the dynamics of that and how those play out uh, over the years. Um, you know, so. Well, to Angel's credit, you know, they, they skated on the trade deadline uh, a year and a half ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people were like, why won't Trader Danny ever make trades, even though he's made more trades than almost anyone. And then they waited and they waited and then they traded for Kyrie Irving in one of the best deals in NBA history. So, yeah. you know, they, they're patient. They, they don't settle. They never settle. They wait until they have an opportunity where they have to make the trade, where like they can't resist making the trade. Right. And those are the teams that are really successful. And, and the, I, I think that the one thing that Mike and Danny do is they don't value these or look at these guys as assets. They look at them uh, as chemistry as well and how they fit together, especially because they have Brad Stevens. So for the most part, you got guys who will be able to be coached that way uh, and not be much of a problem. Uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas wasn't uh, an issue in the locker room in Boston. Is that fair to say? Uh, he was beloved. He was a challenging player, but he was beloved. Right. So, you know, because there are stories. And I know Isaiah. He's a great guy. I get, it's always surprising me when, I, when you hear those stories coming out later from different locker rooms. But Yeah, we all have the same relationship with Isaiah. <laughs> like, okay. we know that there's you, – you go ahead. Like, there's a lot – there's some very sharp edges to him, but a ton of heart. And you love him for it. Okay, great. Maybe that's why you blocked me on Twitter. But we oh, were, okay. But before that, we were friendly. So, and then was I think he got mad because after he hurt his uh, hip, I had the same injury and uh, I I suffered it like in my midway through college, and I uh, sort of did this long, you know, uh, Twitter uh, conversation or Twitter thread about it, and and basically kind of predicting what was going to happen, which is sort of what's happening. I don't think he's, I think it's he's done, right? Uh, he's supposed to be back. Pretty soon, I'm guessing by mid-January. So okay. we'll see what happens. I have, yeah. but like I don't know what to expect, and he hasn't really told me that much beyond I'll be back pretty soon, and I'm feeling good. So okay. I mean, yeah, like, but he's been saying that for a while. So we'll see. I hope it works out. Obviously, is he still in LA? By the way, Where's Isaiah? He? Yeah, no, he's in Denver. He went to Denver. Oh yeah, that's right. I he's forgot. Play, he's he's playing for go. Mike. Yeah, and he went to Denver because he, he didn't. He wanted to get a mid-level offer. It didn't come through. It was, was going to be Batman. Um, I think Orlando was like maybe going to offer a little bit more than Batman, from what I remember. But he wanted to be somewhere where he really trusted them, especially because the Cleveland experience was so bad for him. Like he fucking hated Cleveland and just wanted to get out of that situation and be somewhere where he really trusted the coach, so he would like know what his role is. And that they would have patience and kind of embrace his play style. So going to play for Mike Malone, who's someone who helped his career really take off in Sacramento, that that was kind of a no-brainer for him once that opened up. Except oh, for the right, the, absolutely. The problem is Monty Morris has been so good that they don't really need they don't need him right now. Right, and and it could be disruptive and a problem and stuff. And I and the the the, the, the thrust of my thread, if no one had seen it, you're listening to this, was basically that you know short of surgery uh, to to replace the hip. Uh, he's just going to deal with a lot of pain, and that's that's doable. I know I play. Listen, I'm not an NBA player by any stretch of imagination, but um, I did play hard and you know against good players for my 20s, and 
and I did it and it didn't really affect my play, but man, I was always like, I was in excruciating pain, aching pain all the time. And he's already, I think 30, oh no, he's only 29, right? Uh, yeah. Only, so, so he, he's okay, but it's just a question of how, how he can manage that. And if he ever gets bone on bone quicker than, than you would think, then he's really in trouble. So, but I'll keep my eye out for that and see how well he does. Cause again, I think, uh, Will Barton hasn't come back yet either for them, I think, right? No, so they're. I mean, they're already at the top of the West, and they're they're waiting on two key role, uh, key players. So it's yeah. going to be they're going to be incredible, right? But it's also going to be a challenge to manage all those guys. And so Mike Malone's got his hands full. Um, so yeah. By the way, you know who the, the team uh, in November who has uh, uh, th- uh, the last eight or nine games? Who's the number two defense in the league? I'll give you two uh, choices, two two guesses. I mean, is it Denver? Nope. Okay, number two in the last is it Minnesota? No, they're up there though. They got a lot better though. It is the Lakers. Oh wow, I was yeah. ready for that one. And guess what they are overall for the whole season now? Now I'm guessing they're eleventh, seventh. Okay, so that's amazing to me. And well, by the way, we've seen top ten defenses with um, uh, deficient power forwards like a David Lee playing for the Warriors, uh, Carlos Boozer for the Bulls. And LeBron James for the Lakers. Yeah, we're, you know. we're getting one that one. Although I'm going to put, I got to watch a couple of games to see. I maybe LeBron is giving a little more effort now and actually doing some stuff on that end. So maybe uh, that's what it is. But nonetheless, a little talk by Magic uh, has gotten them playing better. I guess. You know, the beauty of being a superstar is that like LeBron's probably one of like the five best defenders of all time. But he's a garbage defender most of the time he's on the floor. But then when he decides to turn it on, he is so unbelievably good and. Yeah, I mean, he's made a career out of not really turning it on for about 80 games a year. And Magic's going to yell at him. He's going to play hard on defense for a few weeks. And then he's probably going to go back to doing that. You know, the question is whether the rest of the defense can kind of hold up. I mean, they got getting Tyson was just such a a boon for that. Anyway, you figure their defense would get better once he got a rhythm anyway. Right. That's true. So we'll have to keep our eye on that. I'll do a video on it maybe soon. So but we've come to the end of our show. And uh, Jared, I can't thank you enough for breaking us all down and, and giving us such wonderful insights into what's happening in the Markel Fultz saga. Uh, all my hot takes about the Wolves pick and roll defense with Robert Covington out the way for next week. Well, yeah, let's, let's let's make them prove it a little bit longer. But I did uh, peek at some clips, and not only is it Covington, but Saric is in there. Excuse me, excuse me Saric is in there uh, making plays Thank as you. well. Um, and so, so yeah, it's a different team. And by the way, n- n- enough can't be said about uh, chemistry, like we mentioned before. Uh, it clearly feels like there's a cloud lifted over from, from over their heads. It's amazing how they've become an entertaining team to watch all of a sudden after being like the most unwatchable team in the league for actually no Washington will hold that for a long time, but they were one of the most unwatchable teams in the league for a while. And now they're really fun. Yeah. They, they feel like they feel like a Tibbs team, but we can save the rest of that for next week. You got it. Well, the cloud over my head all day has been lifted to talking with you. So thank you for coming on and doing that for me. And uh, we will talk to you next week. All right, peace out. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Jared? Oh, I'm always in.